So on average, a marketplace would reach hundred million dollars. They had to, and to be honest with you, I don't think working in Pakistan and building a startup in Pakistan that's a luxury we have, unless there is one or two like such big checks come in. But on the other hand, I think yeah, this is where we have to be a bit more innovative as compared to the rest of the world. Right. If you really want to go on that path of, uh, of generating hundred million dollar revenue from a marketplace, we will have to be very smart. Of right. The unit economy is not going to work in our favor by just being paid. Right. By just not really providing people that utility that they want to have. Right. So we have to be very smart that you really provide that utility to people. And then you have built a lot of pieces in a way that they make the unit economy work in your favor. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Scalable, a podcast by Collabs, where we talk to founders and investors in Pakistan on building their companies and firms uh, here in the local market. Today, we've got Arif Iqbal with us, who is the co-founder and CEO of LAM, a fashion marketplace in Pakistan. Thank you so much, Arif, for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you. For sure. Pleasure to be here. Right. So let's let's just start with the regular ones. You know, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you spent uh, your childhood in Pakistan. You graduated yeah. from Pakistan, and then I think you went to the U.S. and uh, uh, you worked at uh, different technology companies yeah. over there. So tell us a, a little bit about your career, and then we'll move on to you know how did yeah. you end up uh, co-founding Lam? Yeah. So uh, was student who wanted to be an engineer always. Right. Uh, realized in late 90s, early 2000s. So you were born in Lahore. Born in Lahore. Right. Raised in Lahore. Right. Almost all the education in Lahore. Right. Okay. Uh, ended up going to Fast Lahore. Right. For doing a bachelor's in computer science. Right. Graduated in 2005. Wow. Yeah. So it's been, uh, it's been a while. Right. Yes. Uh, they keep telling me. Right. Oh, okay. that bad. Okay. Uske uh, I did my own startup in Pakistan before Microsoft hired me and they took me to Vancouver, Canada. So you graduated in Pakistan and you did your own startup like in yes. 2005? 2006. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What, what were you trying to build? We were trying to build uh, uh, basically a browser plugin with the notion that people would be able to connect with people with similar interests. So let's say if RF Iqbal continuously goes and visits uh, AI websites and machine learning websites and you do the same, there is a high likelihood that you might be interested wow. in having a conversation with each other. Th- th- this sounds very interesting and useful to be honest. I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it could have, you know, transformed, evolved into a professional network. Yeah. So the idea was that, again, that is back in those days, Facebook had just launched. So our idea was that we want to create a network right. of people with similar interests. Okay. Uh, but I think realized at that stage, building a startup in Pakistan, funding the concept. Right, right. Uh, and also, uh, around not many people who have done it before. Right. Uh, and got this opportunity. Uh, Microsoft was used to come to UAE to hire folks. So I got an opportunity to go there for interview. They hired me directly into one of their pretty solid teams in Bing, Bing.com. Right. Uski machine learning or relevance build. Karni thi. How old is Bing? So I was part of the team just when Bing launched. Kiya tha. Right. Okay. So uh, it used to be called Live Search. Back yeah, then. yeah, it was life search. Life yes, search. I remember. So, I remember. So when I joined, it was like a team of like I think 150 or 200 people, right? With the notion, that we want to launch our search engine that will compete Google. So it wasn't really live back then. You, the team was building it. 
the team was Microsoft, Bill Gates, and Steve Ballmer had decided they want to put in a right. lot of investment, right? And they wanna they wanna take on Google, right? Okay. Because Google was coming into a lot of stuff, right? Right. Browser right. And email and workspace and right. all those things. So, uh, so they wanted to go after Google by building a search engine, right? So, Wahaz had investment he uh, and I went there in 2008. I think we launched Bing early, late 2009 or early 2010. Right. Okay. So about one and a half year after I had joined. Right. Right, right, and then you know from there, uh, what what was next? Like you worked yeah. on Bing, you um, yeah. helped uh, it go live. Um, I mean, you obviously played a small part in it, and then yeah. then what happened? So from there, I had this interesting journey. I spent about four years of my life in building a search engine, and I spent a couple years after that in growing a marketplace called eBay. Right. Um, and then I spent a couple of years in building a discovery engine called Pinterest. Right. And then I spent a good close to five years in building different things inside Facebook, uh, from search again to recommendation systems to uh, one of the uh, one of the product that they were uh, that they were bringing into uh, Facebook, Instagram called Shops. Right. So these are the three products I worked on Facebook. But but all this time you were basically writing code. Uh, career interesting transition when I joined eBay. I after like a quarter or so they were growing very fast. So my I transitioned into an EM role. Right. So uh, I started leading a team uh, which was called a science team back then inside the machine learning team. Right. Right. Then I uh, wanted to be again an IC. So I went back and joined Pinterest as an IC, but after three right. months, I can't right. transition into leadership. Right. Then I went back again into an IC. <laughs> right. So maybe okay. you can see I was how confused I was. <laughs> right. Okay. But I think it was just that I wanted to go back and do something. Again, maybe leadership is a better part to continue to grow or leadership they continue to push in this direction. Uh I I think in the last eight or nine years before starting LAM. I have probably spent five years as in leadership roles and four years as a as IC. Right, right, right. And you were at fa- Facebook. I mean, that was your last job when you when you thought about starting Lam and move back to Pakistan. Yes. So uh, how did this happen? I mean, somebody who has been you know in yeah. in different engineering roles uh, as an IC or maybe you know yeah. in, in leadership. Uh, uh, decides to yeah. come back to Pakistan first of all, and then you know uh, goes yeah. into building a, a fashion marketplace. Um, yeah. uh, what's the background? But so the the core reason it happened was that my younger brother was running a agency, just a goal thought to enable fashion brands go online. Right. Uh, so I was there. Was any family like tech? Right. Okay. So he would reach out to you for different. Uh, yeah. So essentially, like I was like. E-commerce is the next big thing, and it's right. very simple and best, very straightforward. So, so Vovali agency kind of like transition into an agency, just come to enable e-commerce for decent, good businesses. Right. Uh, and but when I I got to know a bit more about how this operates, and I had lived my life obviously in Lahore for a good time. Then when I Microsoft, obviously US visa was a time channel. They sent me to Vancouver, Canada. Right. From okay. there, I had moved to Seattle, the headquarters. Right, right. And from there, I moved to Bay Area when I had to go work for Pinterest and Facebook. So, 
सो आई हैड लिव माई लाइफ इन डिफरेंट प्लेसेज और वहाँ पर एक कॉमन थीम मैं भी देख रहा था कि यार हमारा जो साउथ एशियन फैशन है पाकिस्तानी इंडियंस बंग्लादेशीज ऑल माई फ्रेंड्स एंड कॉलीज आर एक्सट्रीमली इंटरेस्टेड इन दैट बट नॉट एक्सेसिबल राइट और बिजनेसिस को जो डिजिटाइज करना है वो जो एजेंसी करने की कोशिश कर रही है डजेंट सीम वेरी स्केलेबल हाउ डज इट ऑल कम राइट और वहाँ से एक नोशन बिल्डना शुरू हो गई थी कि फॉर सच अ फॉर सच अ मैसिव इंडस्ट्री वेयर so many people are passionate about it why nobody has tried to digitize it right so this is my thinking back in like 2018 2019 right. and the idea was there should be something like that right i still wasn't certain that i would go out right and okay. build something like that but wahan se wo post start hua fir ek thoda sa usme fir ye news bhi aa rahi thi ki pakistani startup ecosystem is developing right uh, i wanted to do bit more meaningful thing in life rather than working for big tech companies to be honest right or i had that unfinished thing in life when i started going to pakistan make a right. right. with all the right. journey so a lot of such thoughts kept coming ke yaar with all the things i've learned there could go back make an impact massive industry that can be digitized so that kind of like really brought in the foundation so when you thought of doing this um and and you know as as you explained the the agency model was not scalable uh but when you look at it from the perspective of a brand yeah. uh, they were already shipping to international customers using you know different uh, shipping options available in pakistan and uh, yeah. reaching out to these customers or you know um, um, offering them their their, their products through uh, products like uh, facebook ads or yeah. you know in 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 some cases uh, somebody in the us would maybe you know log on to google and uh, type in sobia nazir or any of these yeah. brands and they'd end up finding those brands and you know yeah. they, they 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 would have nice shopify websites that they can buy yeah. from so when you started thinking about this i mean did you not fear that brands would not want to become part of uh, something like this and you know yeah. speaking of this let, uh, let's also talk about okay you you wanted to do do this what was the first step after you know you had made yeah. this decision and how did you get your i mean what was the mvp like yeah. uh, these are i think two three different questions yeah. if you can take them one by one yeah i think the first thing ke jab humne when we went after the problem we want to solve there are two sides of it right one is the consumer side right yeah the other is the business side right so for the consumer side i believe our idea was there are we really want to bring ability for people to discover south asian fashion right so for example on eid when i have to buy a kurta shalwar myself i click on the kurta shalwar category and lam and i get almost 8 to 10000 kurta shalwars right so for me then i can apply those filters that i wanted under 40 dollars then i can apply that filter i only want bright colors right so our idea was that what we really want to bring in from a consumer perspective is a discoverability right okay so that was the notion that we really want to go after in right the second thing was that if we think about from a business perspective i mean you called out they can build their websites and they can start to do shipping but if you go and sit down with any business and you ask to ask them that how do you ship to usa yeah they would say that oh we go and we create a shipment in dhl yeah, it prints, it costs them a lot of uh, cost a lot of money and they create seven forms and we go fill each one of these right. forms okay and then the shipment gets created right. so the the way they were trying to digitize their business is probably as inefficient as it can get right okay so our idea was that first and for for us like i think one one thing that we always believed is going to help us is that at the end of the day 
businesses would go to any place where they believe that they can acquire customers right absolutely they would go to seo because yeah. they believe google is going to give them customers they would go post on instagram right because that's going to give them reach and customers right so if there is another place which is really dedicated of this passionate south asian fashion lovers they would go there and acquire right. customers so that was the hypothesis that we were going out right and and to be honest like most of the businesses who in the first year were like oh we don't go to marketplaces but when they heard from another business that oh we got xyz orders from lam they right. started looking at us differently right. that, oh that's another acquisition channel for them right. uh, in terms of consumers um and your second question was what was what was the initial product yeah. like i mean and uh, i mean you've, yeah. you've said that uh, yeah. some of these brands uh, they started coming because they heard from other brands who had come on lam that they were getting you know a decent amount of orders but how did you get your first brands was it yeah. easy because of success the agency that uh, your brother was running or absolutely so amir who's obviously uh, who's running success is a co-founder in lam uh, for us there was credibility in the industry that if uh, these folks are doing something they are the ones who have been running e-commerce for us for right. a while so it wasn't like there, there is a new player that's telling right. them that give us your supply and and they will run away with it right so there was that element of credibility and and obviously i uh, i there was also that angle of credibility someone who was working at facebook is now coming back right, and, right. and trying to do this right so the first i think the first 10 20 brands that helped a lot right if that wasn't the case it would be very hard to bring in good 10 15 20 names right. which we started with right the second notion around like the thought process and again and this is a philosophy that i follow in whatever we build which i think brian chesky has put it really well uh, which is around that if you want to build any business for any product do it in a way that it won't scale because you want to do it fast right you want to really understand whether your hypothesis is working or not so we right. went with the exact same thought process right we we kind of like looked at shopify put a few products together did a decent ui that would give some discovery and really figure out whether it's a product market fit or not whether it's going to work or not so we ended up launching it very very quickly after i kind of decided you want to go in this path i put off my true scalable engineering and product hat right with the notion we want to do it like quickly to right. validate right and if it's the validation is there we will build whatever is needed right and what was it like i mean um, yeah. how did you find your first customers then and uh, yeah. what was the feedback like early on so the first customer i think uh, there is one one thing that there are a couple of areas we thought about one is that we we thought that social presence is going to matter a lot so what if we think about it this way that lam is trying to enable the discovery of south asian fashion but we can have the same concept under every platform so for example under facebook instagram we can think that there is a channel right that exactly does that right so it would provide people that these are the best langas right. or kurta shalwar or sarees right. out there so we used and i think that really helped us so people started looking at it on social media the place that's putting a lot of content around our south asian pakistani fashion and they started following that right and that audience started to grow i think now we have 3.5 million followers across channels oh wow so we really pushed on it and i think people connected with it it was a single place where they can discover fashion uh, the other thing we went after was basically uh, like digital marketing in general like ads and stuff so putting beautiful pictures and uh, all of our usps that this is what you would get by buying from lam and then slowly people started to roll in 
and as soon as they would look at something like this oh i can combine brand a and brand b and the combined shipping is cheaper right so people started doing their math and they would reach out to those designers in the early days and asking that is are these guys legit right right uh, and some of these things started to work out in the i mean ball started to roll and then uh, the network effect and everything started to kick in right right so when you initially thought of it um, i mean from what you've shared i am assuming that uh, majority of the focus was on international customers who would want to buy from pakistan yeah. uh, when did that change uh, did it change after the launch or you had made mind that you know yeah. uh, made your mind that you would uh, go after both these segments uh, from the very beginning yeah. Uh, so so where interestingly the the high the our plan in the very early days was that we want to start with what we think is luxury or a very high end fashion which is customizable also customizable but right. not in all the cases right it okay. could still be sold in like small medium large sizes right. but you can also customize it okay and more or less the the reason was that because we were not ready to scale so think about it this way that if you're not ready to scale you can go after a more luxury item but that you don't have to deal as many units right as Correct. as you want yeah. to so yeah. we deliberately went after very high end luxury right and we wanted to start from there but the vision from the day one was always like we really want to fulfill discoverability and the reliability of fashion need across right. this like pakistani and south asian fashion so we very deliberately started on the high end and the idea was that we will start to go to the next phases uh it's uh i mean i i'm going to quote something which it is weird but uh like if you look at tesla they went after the roadster and then model s and then they come to the model so we internally use this like we will go after the high end right, and then okay. we will continue to come right, in and okay go in the masses and try to cover right, right. every aspect of right it. right and at what point did you figure out that you have product market fit what is it yeah. what happened what was that trigger that yeah. that that told you that you i think you, we we wanted to get 1000 orders right we wanted an aggregate of 1000 uh, orders right we wanted to be on somewhat of a like a a million dollar run rate of sales right so to be really feeling that this has started to work out right and um, i think we were able to achieve that relatively fast in the Five six months time period. Right now, Lam has been very quiet about you know their fundraising. Obviously, yeah. you know, uh, like people in the ecosystem know that you, uh, you have raised money, but yeah. you haven't announced it. Uh, tell us a little bit on 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 that. First of all, you know, yeah. I mean, if if you're open to sharing, how yeah. much have you raised, and uh, who have you raised from, and why did you you know stay stay quiet about it? so we uh, i raised a very small pre seed round mostly from my friends and colleagues in seattle when you were coming back when i left facebook this right so you technically did not really bootstrap the business you we did bootstrap for the first 6 months when okay. we were trying to figure out whether it's a product market fit or not okay so after pmf you yes right. after that uh, and we were like decent like as i said we were almost on a million dollar run, run rate, rate right okay and then we raised a small round of uh, what's called pre-seed or from angels only from your friends uh, yeah. in 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 the US yeah and it was like to be honest with you like it was relatively very quick right because we just notified a few people that we are thinking of raising and they was, they came in with checks yeah they came yeah. in with checks very quickly so i i mean i wanted to raise half a million dollar but we ended up raising like 
almost $750,000 right. back then. Right. Uh, and after that, we did uh, a seed round and we raised around $2.5 million in that seed round. And when was this? Like you, you raised uh, the pre-seed pre six months after starting LAM yeah. in Pakistan. And then when did you raise the seed this round? This is in Q1 2022. Right. Yeah. So the way you were building this platform, I mean, um, I can maybe, you know, discuss this in more detail than anything yeah. else because yeah. we also tried uh, building. I mean, obviously, we uh, approached it uh, slightly differently. We were highly focused on uh, the tech product that we were building, um, and it did not work out. You know, maybe at, 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 at some point, uh, I'll, I'll share those details. I'll share my lessons, but um, yeah. I mean, uh, the few things that uh, we learned uh, while we were building Flare was that it is very difficult to please the Pakistani customers. I mean, no matter what you do, they'd, yeah. uh, they, they'd find reason. And I don't blame them for this. Obviously, you know, any, any customer, anyone yeah. spending their money, hard-earned money on anything and... Uh, Particularly on fashion, especially yeah. when it's it's women, they would you know want it to to be delivered really fast. They they would want it to uh, look as it does on the website. I yeah. mean, the the colors should not look different and all. Yeah. So, what were you know some of your biggest assumptions about Pakistan as a market and yeah. uh, Pakistani consumers that were yeah. uh, proven wrong after you started uh, working on Lam? I think. I would say that there are a lot of assumptions that were wrong, both for businesses and consumers. Right. Uh, both sides. Right. I think, uh, as you said, it's uh, the the expectation that maybe like the expectation is not the right word. Maybe uh, they are they they don't give you a lot of room for error. <laughs> right. Okay. If if you go wrong, they will really tell you right. that you went wrong. So <laughs> so you have to be a lot more careful of some of the core pieces that you develop. And I think we learned these lessons, to be honest, in the first six months. Right. So uh, I think for me, one of the worst things that happened after starting LAM was that initially we went after and called it, that, and I, called, I wrote our mission statement that we are the ones who really want to enable South Asian fashion discovery or Pakistani fashion discovery. Then we changed it to South Asian fashion discovery. Um, but I did not put in the term of reliability with that. Right. So then later on we changed it and right. we changed it for a reason. Right. We want to enable discovery of fashion and reliably right. deliver right. it. Right. Because the problem is that I, I, I looked at it in a way that, uh, so I work, I have a lot of friends who work in cloud business. So I was in Seattle, which is the cloud capital of the world, Azure, yeah. AWS and Google Cloud, everything is built there. So, so the core notion of everything that they were building in storage and all the cloud was that they were trying to build a reliable infrastructure on top of unreliable machine, right? Right. So I thought of LAM in a very similar way, that there potentially is a lot of unreliable fashion businesses. Can we build a reliable platform in the same notion on that? And then we thought about, like, how do we enable that reliability? And I think that reliability is something which I believe is a lot more stronger after working in a few months. And then we had to be, I think in this market, you have to be very smart because as a middle player of a marketplace, one side is a business, the other side is a consumer, 
how do you play it right so for example there is a made to order yeah custom outfit and yeah. somebody pays let's say 10000 rupees for it yeah and then eventually the customer is like i don't need it anymore but the business has started building that customer yeah. uh what do you do so if you are amazon you would just be like oh customer always first and return the money but what about the business now right. we started building it so we had to like very deeply think about some of those problems right. as a as a middle player how do we balance it between the business and the consumers and what are the different risks or losses we are going to take in the middle right and taking those losses in the middle would it still be a uh what you call like a possible to build a business yeah would it make business sense yeah, yeah, yeah. to 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 do that um, i mean speaking of this when when you are a marketplace and i mean i'd 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 love uh, for you to talk about that as well uh, your your model you because yeah. i think uh lam is doing a couple of things it's it is a marketplace but it also has an inventory that it has blocked from designers for their yeah. certain collections and all maybe you know you can talk a little bit on that but uh what i'd really like to understand is generally the the margins or or yeah. the take rate if, if 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 we call it that in in marketplaces is very thin for it to make business sense i mean these are yeah. largely driven by vc money you know i mean if you look at known they they have been burning a lot of capital yeah. and but obviously it's you know they 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 are horizontal there are a lot of differences yeah. this is focused on a particular uh niche if we may call it that and uh, or a category and uh, you're obviously trying to do things differently but what are the economics like i yeah. mean what were they like when you first started and how, how have they evolved yeah. with with the scale and uh, you know if you can yeah. talk a little bit on 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 the model as well uh so uh i think uh, one thing that we always are very particular about so lam with the with the run rate that we are at uh, we probably have raised less money than anyone else to get to that run rate right maybe like 5x less money than anyone else to right. get to that run rate and the primary reason is that whenever we see something which we believe is not the right thing for unit economy we don't do it just for the sake of growth and this is not for the for now right which has become very i mean again like there is a very strong vc push coming now don't right. do these things but yeah. even when we had a lot of money we were very cautious about that oh this is not unit economy doesn't work here right so we'll back off right uh so that is i think one thing that we have been doing and again like if we look at it there is always like that percentage of commission that you need to have for the unit economy to work right if it goes below that maybe you can take a couple of calls here or there when it's something very very important for your perception but you can't make those calls and uh, all the time all yeah. the time right. enough times for you so, to be so for example if if it's an x brand that's very big that lam really wants to have that consumers want to see on lam you yeah. may be a little flexible with that yeah. but it's it's not the the case you know for for every day yeah and and to be honest like it's not like lam is trying to do that if you go to any offline retailer yeah in lahore like uh, one of those like saleem saleem fabrics yeah raja saab yeah and you go to their shop let's say they are taking an average commission of 25 or 20 but there would be a few brands that they have in their shop which is 8 7 right and the reason they have that is that that one is so popular because they have the pull these these brands bring the customers yeah. onto your platform or you know yeah. your shop yeah. and then you you sell them yeah. other stuff as well so we took a few learnings right. how do those offline that how exactly are they working out and they right. are working in the same way right uh, but you can't do it 
if like for Salim Fabrics, if 30% of their inventory is selling that way, then the business model for them is not going to work out. Right. It can only be like 5% or right. 10%. And we have been very cautious right. in that way. Right. Uh, so this is one of the reasons the I think we were able to scale out with the unit economy continuing to work in our favor. Right. So, I mean, if, if we go a little deep into this and we, we try to sort of understand, um, you know, you may not want to talk about it, yeah. but uh, what you're trying to say is that LAM is effectively not burning a lot of money today to uh, get those orders that it does. And yeah. that that is primarily because of the strong brand that you've been able to build that people think yeah. of whenever they are looking to buy fashion or yeah. it has more to that. And in, in that more is, I mean, how big of a role SEO has, yeah. has played. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're like, we are not burning money as such anymore. There are good and bad months. Obviously, Muharram is going to be a month in Pakistan in fashion, which is right, not very active. slow. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at it at a, from a larger perspective for the year, so we are not really burning money. Right. But the primarily, if I have to say, is that if you look at companies who end up burning money, they are burning money in one or two particular categories. Right. Yeah. So if you look at all the businesses that are in retail. For them, they need a lot of capital injection for acquiring inventory. Right. If you look at businesses that are kind of like apps work to acquire consumers, they spend a lot of money in acquiring consumers. Right. So let's say I want to get 10,000 orders and every order is going to cost me $10. So that's right. $100,000 of burn. Right. So as for us, I think one thing that really worked out is what we call internally as organic acquisition. Right. So for us, organic acquisition is three-fourths, right? One is through what you just called out, SEO. Right. So you have to be good in that. Uh, working in search helped, definitely. Right, okay. So uh, the second thing is uh, what we what we thought of like, is that we want to enable the discovery in social media, those channels that LAM has created on Instagram. And we have now created like very specialized channels as well. There is a channel called LAM Couture, which I see. helps brides. Right. There is a channel called LAM Men. Right. which is probably the discovery place for men to come in and shop. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but I'd like to understand something here. Now, you know, whenever we talk about organic reach on these social media platforms, yeah. you know, what we hear is that it is it is almost dead. There, there's just uh, nothing left out there. Even, you know, for in yeah. some cases for a million followers on yeah. Instagram, you'd get, you know, maybe uh, 100 people liking or engaging on um, an Instagram post. So. How does that work? I mean, yes, you've built a large yeah. uh, following on these platforms, but has it actually uh, helped in translating into um, orders yeah. uh, on, on LAM.pk? It definitely has. All right. And the, the way is that um, I believe that we are trying to do marketing or social in a different way, which is data-driven. If, if I tell you that you have 100 outfits to post which one would you pick? Right. What if you have some data-driven decision-making here? Right, right, so, right. And you take out some patterns out of it that what works and what doesn't work. And then you consistently go choose that this is going to work. Uh, same goes for influencer marketing. If I give you an outfit and you have 100 influencers, 
and you want to give it to 100 influencers, well, how would you decide which influencers to go after? Right. So I believe that one of the notions that I saw that a lot of people call out this doesn't work is because they are not data driven. Okay. So I think one thing that we did was for our organic channels, we would always be very data driven. Right. Uh, and we'll think about like, how do you acquire customers in those organic channels and data driven? And the third back bracket, obviously one is search, the other is like, there's discovery on social channels, and the third is uh, what we call out as like this network effect. Right. Which we get consumers. Which is kicking in like, yeah. uh, which Sorry. has maybe kicked in in the last six to eight months or, a, or an year. Uh, about last year. Right. Yeah. So it came in after like, after one year of your journey where people started to call out, oh, by the way, this is a place where I got my outfit and I was able to bundle five different designers together. Right. So, and those people, especially like globally, really start to bring in their friends, their family members, their small pocket of social community. Right. So, I mean, whenever I talk to anyone, you know, uh, about my experience of building Flare, um, again, you know, I'd, I'd yeah. plug that in. Um, I, I tell them, man, you know, I, I, I actually share example of uh, a few players in Pakistan um, when I tell them this. It is very difficult to build a consumer internet business in Pakistan yeah. unless you have an organic channel that is producing a decent amount of orders for you. It just cannot work on paid acquisition. You just cannot do that in Pakistan because the economics, unfortunately, just don't make sense. If you're only relying on paid acquisition, you know, maybe you can do that for two years. Maybe you, know, you can subsidize the product, but what would happen when you know, the money goes away? And the examples that I share are Lam and Priceoy, these two in particular, because these two, I mean, from where I saw, I mean, I, I did not really think much about the socials. Obviously, the reach was very big and all, but any designer that you can think of in Pakistan, if it's on Lam and you, you know, search their name, uh, Lam is perhaps uh, the first result and the designer is second. Yeah. So they've done really well. I mean, you've done really well and Priceoy has also done really well. Obviously, they started as a price comparison website and, you know, have yeah. then moved into uh, selling these products themselves, yeah. which has helped them. I mean, um, it's, 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 it's a great story, but uh, without an organic channel, I, d I don't think it's possible to build uh, yeah. a consumer internet business in Pakistan. B2B, maybe, you know, enterprise, maybe, yes, yeah. but you cannot do consumer yeah. in Pakistan without uh, an organic yeah. channel. I think I, I would probably add that is that maybe if I have to generalize your statement, I would generalize it by it's very hard to scale a business without the unit economy working in your favor, right? Right, yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. And, That's another way to, to look at it. And here is an interesting article I was reading over the weekend. Uh, that article was very interesting topic. How much money different companies raised to reach to $100 million in revenue? Right. And then my deep question was that for marketplaces, on average, how much money do they have to raise to reach to $100 million in revenue. Or GMV? Revenue. Revenue, revenue. right, okay. So uh, GMV is easy, right? Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so for marketplaces, I think the number, if I'm not misquoting, was around $300 million. Wow. So on average, a marketplace to reach $100 million, they had to, and to be honest with you, I don't think working in Pakistan and building a startup in Pakistan, that's a luxury we have unless there is one or two like such big checks come in. But on the other hand, I think yeah, this is where we have to be a bit more innovative as compared to the rest of the world. Right. If you really want to go on that path of, uh, of generating $100 million revenue, 
from a marketplace, we will have to be very smart. Of right. The unit economy is not going to work in our favor by just being paid. Right. By just not really providing people that utility that they want to have. Right. So we have to be very smart that you really provide that utility to people, and then you have built a lot of pieces in a way that they make the unit economy work in your favor. Right. Right. Uh, this is absolutely right. I mean. When, when we look at an e-commerce marketplace or an e-commerce business in Pakistan, yeah. apart from customer acquisition, there are a few other things that, you know, that uh, any player is spending money on. Yeah. Uh, one of them is, for example, doorstep returns. You know, people would order stuff. And yeah. so uh, what happened, what I saw, you know, when we were yeah. doing player is that if somebody is looking for a specific outfit that has just launched, let's yeah. say on Maria B or, 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 or any of these designers, I mean, if, if it's one of their latest collections, they'd normally order that outfit from five places and on, on COD yeah. and whoever delivers first, you know, they, they would receive it and uh, yeah. the rest of the four would, would be doorstep returns. So doorstep returns is, you know, one thing. Then obviously managing your logistics yeah. and uh, uh, keeping the cost down, while also ensuring that you're able to offer, you know, a quick delivery, you're, you're yeah. able to uh, get a product to a customer by next day or the day after, um, and uh, they don't have to play a guess game on, on yeah. when it would arrive. So uh, talk a little bit on that. How have you managed logistics yeah. for, for, for building LAM and where it is at today? Yeah. I think I, I talked a little bit about that when we thought about bringing in that element of reliability. Yeah. We were hit with this bitter truth that nobody can really bring in that reliability without scaling out their supply chain and warehousing systems. So we made a call about one and a half years ago. This is Q1 2022. We had just raised a bit of money. Right, okay. So we made a call that we really have to go and build, build that smartly. So I ended up going to even like Amazon warehouses to understand how they operate, how they wow. work. Okay. From there, we built something which we think of it internally as FPL, fulfilled by LAM model. Right. So all the businesses that are on LAM, they essentially get that for free. I see. So you can host as much inventory as you want. Right. We don't say that there are any extra charges. Right. And we provide real-time system, which is from your doorstep to LAM warehouse to consumer, we provide you all visibility that, oh, you have sent us 12,000 units. Uh, they are now entered into our warehouse. 3,000 of them are in transit. 6,000 of them uh, is something that you can ask back. So we provided and built all of that system. So in that system, I think one thing that we realized that the truth and the reality is what you just called out, that people are gonna order and a lot of people are gonna decide that they will change their mind from the time of ordering. So we thought we will solve this problem in a very like from a technological perspective. Um, and so what we did was that we kind of like for orders uh, that have a long dispatch time, we would double check with customers automatically. Before it gets delivered to them, right? Before it gets delivered to them. The second thing we did was that if it's a truth that every 10% or 15 or 20% of the packages are gonna get back, let's optimize the hell out of it. So right now our return system processes a package in 13 seconds. I see. And get it back to the inventory. 
Right. So as a result, we know that every hundred packages we send, a good percentage of them are gonna, are, them are gonna come back. Right. But we're able to process it like with blazing speed. Right. And right. they become part of the inventory again. That, inventory that can again, be sold. Sell again. Right. And there is a possibility there is already an order waiting for that. Right. Right. So as it, as soon as it becomes part of the inventory, it's shipped out immediately. Right. 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 So that has helped uh, yeah. you in yeah. a big way. Right. Okay. Um, what have been some of the other challenges of building? A startup in Pakistan. Yeah. I mean, not just marketplace, just any startup in yeah. Pakistan. What have been some of the biggest learnings, challenges? Yeah, if I, if I go back in time and I think about that, working at Pinterest, I was surrounded by people who had built a good chunk of people who had built other startups or worked in other startups. Had some notion of what does it mean to be building a product company. Right. Up here, I think we are still going through that phase that the number of people who have done this is very, very limited. Right. So as a result, I believe that in from 2020 to 2025, we are really building, all of us together, the first batch of such people right. who understands what does it mean to build a startup? What does right. it mean to build a product? What does it mean to build a local product that scales? Right. Uh, so I think as a result, it's very hard to find people. Right. You have to train people from the get-go. I think that has been uh, a massive challenge that I would say. Uh, the the other I think I, I would say is that is probably across some of the some of the notions of higher expectation from consumers and businesses right. that you talked about. So there is that very high expectation and making mistake is not an option. I think <laughs> I've I've learned it the hard way. And now whenever we are launching a feature, whenever you're talking about any new contract I look at and deeply study right. or if things go south. Right, right. How do you how do you think about it? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 not easy. I can I yeah, can totally, yeah. I can totally relate to that. Who is Lam's competition in Pakistan now? Who are you competing with? Are you competing with the designers who sell on your platform in any way? I mean, you so, are result number yeah. one on Google for their name. So I, yes. I I don't know how they feel about it. So I the the way I would call it is that, and this is something that I keep reminding myself and the people that work in the company, is that. When we started LAM, we started with this one mission that we want to enable the digitization of this industry. So the way we look at competition is very, very different, to be honest. Like, we are not that brutal, that OA versus B. We believe that if I look at the Pakistani economy, right now, like, I mean, from the numbers I see everywhere, 25-ish billion dollars is spent on fashion, okay. consumer spending. Right. But the amount of it online is very very negligible right is uh, maybe it's less than three percent right of that three four percent of that right so as a result i think everybody that's working on the digitization are the not competition the real competition is what's happening in the retail on the ground right so i think for me if i think about it the the conversion of that into online is the biggest competition right, right. or is the biggest opportunity that right you can, you can right. talk about right Otherwise, I think one thing that we know is that in terms of our volume or our presence, we would definitely be the, by a good margin, the largest player in in yeah. Pakistani fashion now, or even in the global South Asian play. We have right. one decent big player. Uh, but at the same time, when we look at the entire fashion spend and we look at the dot that we are doing today, it feels very insignificant right. of, of the possibilities out there. So trying to make a mark and, right, and right. go that pie. Right, right. Uh, speaking of, you know, building a fashion 
platform i mean when when you use the word south asia and when you changed it i mean from yeah. pakistan to south asia what exactly were you thinking like i mean obviously yeah. I, I i wouldn't want to assume that you have yeah. plans to maybe you know source inventory from india and sell it on yeah. maybe um uh, yeah. maybe yes but i mean I'd, i'd like to think that's not yeah. the case so if so right now um, this year itself we are going to ship a pakistani product to 100 plus countries i see to 7500 plus cities in the world right and uh, we are the largest consumer exporter out of pakistan now so when you say this do you mean that you're actually going to ship to or or you know you are probably going to receive orders from all these markets or you can technically ship to these markets it doesn't mean that you would receive or not receive an order from the, these we ship to these markets you ship to these markets yes. yeah, right but like i mean the orders that come to lam they are maybe from 15 20 markets or is that no so then i'm i'm only talking about the data where we have shipped the product where you have shipped the product yes. so that that is 100 plus markets yes wow okay so as a result i think one thing that we start to recognize and realize is that the people who are buying from us i mean i would find names where you can build a simple classifier and tell that oh this person is from a, right B, okay. okay so we would look at it is that what we ended up building is one of the largest catalog of ethnic fashion right right so as a result like i was uh, in a gathering in surrey canada which is a predominant uh, community from india right. yeah yeah so i was there and i was like in a event and there were people who of that community who knew about lam and they were like talking about three four of her designer like ali sishan and mohsin right. bidran jad and they were like we love them right so i think i think that changed my mind of how do we need to approach the problem right uh, that we if we are able to get this big inventory together and obviously like one of our mission was in pakistan to digitize this industry and create right. these opportunities out there so as a result i think we are able to get to the point of doing this largest consumer shipments out of pakistan today i think we are one of the largest dhl users out of pakistan today i see um, so i think the idea is that we really want to target that entire south asian community right. living okay. anywhere in the world right and, uh, so it's more on the consumer side not much on you know where the products are coming from like these are only pakistani pakistan. products yeah. right um what's the breakdown of international and pakistani customers or orders so i think we uh, every third order is out of pakistan every third order is out of pakistan yeah, yeah. and has that how has that changed over the last you know two years has it like uh, have you it kind of like is interesting that the seasonality plays a big role right so for example um, when eid is nearby a lot of international people start to do online shopping but okay. the local people want to go in stores and do shopping right right so there is like these weird cycles right every quarter uh the cycles change a bit but if i look at holistically the numbers haven't changed a lot to be honest with us okay. maybe if i look at the first 6 months it was like every third order was from pakistan right to the other way around now because we were only in very high priced luxury items right. and people outside of pakistan were willing to buy that online people in pakistan wanted to go and do shopping in person and then when we came into more mass market then the numbers have stayed around this what we just talked about right and for for the orders that you get from pakistan uh, what percentage of those are from customers who are making payments online 
in Pakistan. Yeah, I mean, all, international yeah. orders are, yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, they're, they're all online. Yes. But in Pakistan... Um, Very little. It's I think it's somewhere around 10 to 15 percent. 10 to 15 percent, yeah. right. I mean, the number has stayed stagnant, like, over the last... At, at least in terms of, you know, uh, the major e-commerce platforms that I know. Maybe, you know, people are becoming... Uh, people are becoming more acceptable to, you know, online payments and all. But uh, from what I keep hearing, this is this is the number uh, yeah. that has stayed the same. What do you same. think we can do to to improve this number in Pakistan? I mean, digital payments is going to yeah. obviously play a very big role in how uh, e-commerce evolves over the yeah. next, um, you know, five to ten years. So, what is it that's not there? Apart from, you know, yeah. very low penetration of, let's say, credit cards, what else is missing? I, I, I think that uh, what I am really looking at is that some of these, like, uh, some of these startups that are coming in and making it easy, like, like Sada Pays or Naya Pays, I hope they're able to scale out really fast and make it, make that adaption go a lot broader. But if you look at, I think, the, the journey to get a card in Pakistan, obviously in US, I have done this. Right, in Pakistan, yeah. when I did this, is that all the biometrics and <laughs> and fun part. So you realize there is a lot of friction. Right. Yeah. To be honest, like I think for the normal middle class person, it should be very very straightforward and simple. It should be encouragement to do that rather right. than a lot of discouragement to do that. So I'm hoping some of these like these players will really scale out and make it everybody recognizes that. And the other is this micropayment systems like these Easy Pesas or Jazz Cash. Hopefully they would start to scale up as well and the mode of payment would become digital rather than right, right. Uh, this cash. Right. Uh, if you could go back in time, like, you know, when you started LAM yeah. and change some of the things that you did early on or maybe, you know, throughout this journey, yeah. what would those be? Like, what, what would yeah. be you know, talk to? I think I probably would, my worst time period was, uh, to be honest, like in the first year or so, we had these very bad patches of LAM being not reliable. So and when we, you say LAM being not reliable, do so you mean in say, terms of ship delivery or? Uh, so there are, there are two bad things that can happen, right? right? One bad thing that can happen is that you take an order and you don't deliver that on time. Right, okay. That is the first miscommitment right. that you can do with the consumer. The second is you deliver something that people do not like and mm -hmm. we compute these numbers very very carefully now okay so we have stats and dashboards right. okay. around everything right uh, in the start we did not think of that deep enough right and when we started to scale we got a lot of heat right for that uh, and uh, i think that was a very low time uh, and to be honest, like I think, like would customers reach out to you, or they'll just post this on voice of customer or something? Like? All, all of those. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, even to be honest, like now, our NPS is one of the best, and all of that. But we still see some of those stories coming out. Right. Oh, I tried two years ago, and okay, they messed up my order, and they did not deliver for twenty days and stuff. Right. So now I think what we probably should have done from the get go is, uh, we should have solved those problems realizing that if we are working with a fashion business and that fashion business delays the order, it's still our name on the line. So we should have built the technology and the systems and all the protocols around it in a different way. If I have to go back in time, I'd probably do that before I scale. Right. Uh, and uh, do it well. Right, right, 
Right. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. When we talk about fashion businesses, you know, obviously the entire model depends on them. Um, yeah. You selling their products to customers. Yeah. When you speak to them, you know, on and I'm, I'm sure you speak to them on, you know, very regular basis. Yeah. What is it that they tell you? Have you actually helped them increase their sales? Or is it that Lam has just come in and taken a share from their sale and, you know, made it easy for the consumer yeah. to get those products? What is it that you normally hear? So there are very, very interesting stories about it. So we work with a startup business, fashion startup, that launched on Lam. I remember they had they, that entrepreneur got two stitching units like uh, and started the brand right and i i think i visited two of their factories where right. they have around close to 250 people i see that build products and we i looked at that one brand particularly and we had shipped their product to 70 plus countries i see so that has scaled 100 percent on lam so they were exclusively selling on lam they, they still do they don't have any online they, presence. Of they don't have any online presence. They have no offline presence. Wow. They are okay. So we have a lot of such what we call SMEs. Right. That we built. Right. In this digital economy. Right. And one interesting analysis that we did when, like, we added those 150 people, then we looked at another business. We added 300 people. So we added all of them together once, and we had created more than 10,000 jobs for the for the businesses. So 10,000 plus jobs of extra. Right. that they were getting. Right, right. So some of the big manufacturers that we started working with, so let's say they were manufacturing 10,000 units for the offline. Right. And we added 3,000, 4,000 or something right, like that. Right, right, right. So there is not that zero-sum zero game when you come online. There is still massive offline. And the online is like, is some of the players that are becoming bigger, it's additive on top of that most of the time. Right, right. Uh, I actually have a lot more questions on, you know, this uh, yeah. dealing with businesses and all, but I think uh, we're, we're running out of time. So, you know, uh, the last one, anyone yeah. trying to build a startup in Pakistan today yeah. that's focused on Pakistani consumer, what would be, you know, your one piece of advice to them? I think there are different phases of building a startup. Like I called out, one is a product market fit. The other is trying to figure out how to scale. Uh, be very careful about understanding when you it's your hypothesis or the data shows you that you are a product market fit before you go out to scale. I think for people, uh, when I meet folks who are trying to build their startup, I ask them how do they know they work? And most of the time it turns out because they have strong belief it will work. Right. So I think that is one thing that I would really call out to folks who are just starting out. Right, right, right. I mean, that's that's a brilliant piece of advice. Thank you so much, Are, for joining us and sharing everything about Plam with us. Yeah. Obviously, like I said, I had a few more questions, but I think uh, we've run out of time. So, yeah. you know, maybe we'll leave them for another day. It was a pleasure to yeah. have you here, and I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Thank you so much for coming in. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. See you on the next episode of Scalable very soon. i give you an example. When we launched Colabs, um, we had only launched partial of the building just the ground floor and the first floor. Um, we would make decisions with regards to where to invest, directly linking to if we are going to invest this 10 million rupees, what revenue is it going to convert to? Okay. And that is what founders are doing today. Right? It's about investing money where you actually think that you're going to get an ROI. It's a very traditional approach of accounting and analysis, but I think that is the approach we had from day one. 
obviously uh, growth and scale both have to be linked we have grown over 100% i mean year on year the last few years and we are very focused on growth but it has to be sustainable growth growth if it is not sustainable a lot like a lot of other companies globally where they are just using venture money to show unrealistic uh, numbers um does not really help the business